Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Breathtaking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with George Truly, Stephen A. Smith. Hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. So soon after Thanksgiving, you would think that I would not have to address a subject like this. But I felt compelled to do so. One can only be called a sellout and a coon and all of this other stuff, but so much. Before you feel compelled to respond particularly when you're a black man. Normally, I wouldn't do that. I might have a comment here, there, and then move on. It's not like I lose sleep over this. I love when people try to define blackness and act like they've got, you know, they, 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 they got ownership papers on it. You get to define and decide who's black and who's not and all of this other stuff. But certain things need to be spoken about because, you see, I have, a two-hour television show every weekday. I'm live on the air of First Take on ESPN every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. That's 10 hours a week. I've got, I'm a co-host on NBA Countdown. It's on twice a week. Um, I've got NBA and Stephen A's World. That's on sporadically about eight to 10 shows a year. And I've got this podcast, which I own. I'm in control of the content. I decide what subjects we gonna tackle and what we'll avoid. When you consider that level of reach, do you know what the hell I could do if I wanted to every day? I could be indecent. I can be vicious. I could be somebody that just doesn't give a damn. Contrary to what folks may want to think, I've never been that dude. Yeah, I might talk about your game. I might talk about an act that you committed. But what I never do is engage in character assassination and believe that I have a license to use 
whatever moment I want to use to define who you actually are. I don't do that. Now, if a preponderance of evidence based on repetitive behavior gives an indication of what your character may be, okay, that's different. But I'm not going to go off an incident and try to castigate you and demonize you and what have you. That's just not my M.O. Now, I made news earlier last week, and certainly people didn't accord me that luxury. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, is somebody I purportedly came to the defense of. I didn't view it that way, but if y'all want to label it that way, so be it. Jerry Jones is 80 years old. There was a report, an article in the Washington Post where they were talking about Jerry Jones and how much he could do because of his cachet, his influence, his power in the number one sports league in all of America, if not all of the world, although some people would say real soccer is bigger than the National Football League, which is a form of soccer or football, rather, because soccer, soccer in Europe is football and it's football here in America. That's the National Football League. That's what football is in America. But the NFL is so big. Lately, as of recently evidenced by Germany, when Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers showed up and 70,000 packed the house and all of this other stuff. And it was games in Mexico and all of this. People were talking about how Jerry Jones has this influence, such profound influence that he could influence racial tendencies in a positive way in the National Football League, meaning the hiring of black coaches, the hiring of black executives, et cetera, et cetera. And in that same article, there's a picture of Jerry Jones standing in a crowd. A hostile crowd, to say the least, that was opposed to desegregating schools in Little Rock, Arkansas. Ladies and gentlemen, the year was 1957. Jerry Jones was 14 years old. Or according to one other report, 15 years old. When this happened. And my position was, wait a minute. You're going to pull up a, a picture of a 14-year-old kid and use that to denigrate him? When the picture was a still picture of him standing in the crowd and looking, that's the reason that we want to sit up there and assume anything about Jerry Jones? I'm not that guy. Is it plausible to believe that he was one of the people trying to prevent the school from being desegregated? Sure. But do we know? We do not. Did we see him throw at anybody? Did we see him spit at anybody? Did he, we see him commit any kind of vile act? No. That is not what we saw. And because I had the temerity and the unmitigated gall to point that out, I'm a sellout. That is exactly the problem with our community. Talking to the black community. White people, you want, to turn the, you want to turn the podcast off? Go ahead and do that. I'm talking to black people. You can listen if you want to. But I'm talking to black people. When are we going to learn? When are we going to wake up and stop doing this to each other? There's plenty of black folks that I've disagreed with throughout the years. I've, in, I've disagreed with athletes. I've disagreed with coaches. I've disagreed with owners. I've disagreed with colleagues. I've disagreed with my family. Sisters and brothers. Or one brother. I've disagreed with my mama. God rest her soul. I'll be damned if I didn't disagree with my father. God rest his soul all the time. And so what? So what? I'm turning around and I'm seeing people running their mouth talking about me. You know my resume? I'm looking at my executive producer, Rashawn Madonna. I'm sorry, my brother. I got to toot my own horn for a second. I apologize. I got to do this. You watch First Take? How many black people you see on First Take? How you think they got there? 
I got a boss, a boss who's an exec, an executive, top ranking executive. Ask him what level of assistance I provided in helping his career. I got let go of eat by ESPN in 2009. Prior to that. Ask them who was in the room screaming about diversity. Look at the numbers as it pertains to diversity from that year to now. Ask them what role I played in it. Why aren't you harking back to the Philadelphia Inquirer? I'll give you their names. Editor of the paper, Robert Rosenthal. Deputy editor of the paper, Bush, Butch Ward. Philip Dixon, former dean at Howard, who is an executive at, ES, at, at, at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Rob King, who was a deputy sports editor at the Philadelphia Inquirer before he's in ESPN. Ask them what Stephen A's been doing. Sean McDonald's guy that used to work with Steve Harvey. Sensational mind. Executive producer. Used to manage Steve Harvey. Been managing me. Been a friend of mine for 20 years. Yo, Rashawn, how many, how many scholarships did we, did we generate? For HBCUs, hasn't the number exceeded over 12,000? Hasn't the dollars exceeded over 30 million? Where y'all at? Selling out? Selling out? I'm looking out. I'm looking out. Because what you missed in my diatribe in defense of Jerry Jones was the bigger message that I was saying, which is, do we really want to open the Pandora's box where a picture can be pulled from 57 years ago to use as impetus and motivation to castigate, castrate, demonize, and characterize another human being? We really want to do that? We really want to do that? A person that was just standing there. I'm not saying what he was or wasn't doing. What I'm making a point of is we don't know. Y'all want to lean on the fact that he was born in Arkansas? That he was raised in Arkansas? That 1957 was pre-Civil Rights Act? Pre-Voting Rights Act? That's what you want to bring up? Well, who else you ready to talk about? Because he ain't the only one from Arkansas. He ain't the only one that was born around that time. He ain't the only teenager that was there. And oh, by the way, black people, you ever see a fight break out? And you were sitting there watching, standing there watching? Does that mean you were a part of the violence? Just standing there. When you saw somebody's ass get kicked and you didn't do anything, does that mean that you were an advocate of them getting their ass kicked? Did you watch the film that Kyrie Irving put a link on his Twitter page? Does that mean you're anti-Semitic? What does it mean? See, we open up a whole bunch of a, a whole bunch of can of worms. But we don't look at the big picture and the collateral damage enough. Instead, we're the only group of people who questions somebody else's ethnicity when we disagree with each other. If somebody else does it, I apologize. I just don't know about it. Never heard about it. I don't hear Jewish folks accusing folks of being non-Jewish because they disagree. I hear them not liking each other's views. I don't hear them questioning their Jewish authenticity. I don't hear white people saying you ain't white no more. I don't hear Latinos saying you ain't Latino no more. I don't hear that. If I'm wrong, I apologize. That is not what I hear. But we hear it all the time from our own community. And I'm sick of it. I'm just getting started. I got more. Stick around. I got a hell of a lot more to say. You listening to No Mercy with Stephen A. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. 
the clock sticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? I remember when all of this stuff started since I've been on the show first tape. You know what the embarrassing part about all of this was when people were getting on me? Of all the cynicism, of all the criticism, of all the things that I endured throughout the years, you know the biggest heat I've ever taken since I've been on First Take on ESPN? When I sat up there and said, stay off the weed. Man, it's due to seller. Because I said, people should stay off the weed. Because I was, a, I, was an, I was an opponent of marijuana use being legalized in the world of sports. Never mind the fact that I sat courtside for years. Never mind the fact that I saw a couple of athletes literally go to the scorer's table and wobble around. Wobbling, literally, when a coach called to play because they were so high. Forget all that. Because 99% of them would never do that, have never done that. Those are only two instances I saw that in my entire career. But I saw it. That wasn't the reason why. I got family members that smoke weed. I grew up with boys in the neighborhood that smoked weed. I was never an opponent of weed. What I was an opponent of was weed use when it cost you your money. Ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself. I mean, I got, we got to strip me of my blackness right now. The shame of me as a black man to simply point out the fact that you grew up in a lot of instances, poverty stricken, desolate and degraded, scratching and clawing and doing everything you could to get to where you are. And God forbid I sat up there and point out, yo, man, you don't need to be losing your money. Just because you want to smoke some weed. You had the discipline and the greatness of talent to get to this point. Don't blow it because you want to puff, puff and pass. It ain't worth it. And only when Snoop Dogg himself, my brother. Called up to my radio show unsolicited years ago. And said, quote, you ain't selling out. You looking out. When are these cats going to get it? Was when people calmed down. When I had, when he took the liberty of explaining, Stephen A's my man. He ain't against people smoking weed. He's against it costing you your money. I said it a thousand times, but y'all in here. Y'all in here. Until Snoop said something. Colin Kaepernick comes into the mix. I'm called to sell out then. Never mind that I said he was blackballed. Never mind that I said it was unfair. Never mind that I said he didn't violate any NFL bylaws. He didn't violate any, any laws in this land. As an American citizen, he had every right to take a knee. It was nonviolent. It did not interrupt the game. It didn't impede anybody's ability to enjoy, to enjoy NFL Sunday. I said none of that. I said all of that, rather. In defense of Colin Kaepernick, on first take, on Good Morning America, on Fox News, on the Mark Levin Show, on the Sean Hannity Show, on CNN, on MSNBC, everywhere. But when I had the temerity to point out that since you want to come back into the league, now you've got to strategize better, I sold him out. I said all those things in his defense. Ladies and gentlemen, keep bringing up my team, Greg and Michael and Sherry and Terry. But my man, Rashawn, Rashawn going to smile when I bring this up. He was an eyewitness. Remember that? Remember we went to the radio station in New York City? Remember when Colin Kaepernick's team, led by his lady, God bless her, I'm not saying anything negative about her, Nessa, met with me directly, told me what their issues were, and I swore. You have nothing to worry about. Whatever you say to me, I will echo verbatim over the national airwaves. They wanted one team, one, to work out Colin Kaepernick. 
Jay-Z and the NFL got 26 teams to show up to watch him play. He didn't show up. Going to change the location two and a half hours before the workout, an hour and a half away from the original Atlanta Falcons facility, complaining about some waiver and got some people he want to work out without all the technical mumbo jumbo equipment they had available to evaluate him. After you were pushing to ask for a workout. Mind you, the workout came, or the workout was offered rather, after he had sued them and they settled with him. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all going back to a job that y'all sued and settled with? But to point out that obvious fact is anti-black. It ain't being down with the brothers. Folks, it's something else. Folks, it's something else. Chris Rock only said it once. He said, I love black people, but I hate. Why he say that? He might have stopped because real racists out there was using that as impetus to use against our very own people. But the initial impetus for him to say that was because of what we do to each other. We do it to each other. What happened to just disagreeing? Making a point, saying why, without engaging in name calling and all of this other stuff, without questioning somebody's blackness. And for the record, I ain't just some damn black man. I'm a brother. I love black people. I love the way we look. I love the way we walk. I love the way we talk. I love the way we smell. I love the way we act. Even when we mess up. We stink. Ain't nothing that's good, that can't be resolved by a shower. We mess up. We overcome. Obstacles lie in our face. We adapt. We conquer. It's what we do. Didn't I say we? I ain't say y'all. I said we. I said us. Because I'm down for us. But it's stupidness that I ain't going to tolerate. We do it to each other. That's why it's hard for us to acquire the level of respect we richly deserve. We got intestinal fortitude. We work hard. We strive for excellence. We push. We prod. We persevere. We overcome. We do it all the damn time. On this very podcast, LL hasn't succeeded. Snoop hasn't succeeded. Ariva Martin hasn't succeeded. Tanya Lewis Lee hasn't succeeded. Pinky Cole is going to be up on this, on this podcast in a couple of days. She hasn't succeeded. Every way you turn. First take, want me to give you their names? Michael Irvin, Ryan Clark, Mark Spears, Swagoo, Kimberly Martin, Monica McNutt, Damian Woody, Keyshawn Johnson. List goes on and on. Black folks all over the place. Let me not forget Dave Roberts, my boss at ESPN. You got people out there, you know who the hell you are. Talking about this brother like he everything but a child of God. You know what I mean? Black people he's hired. You know what I mean? Black causes he supported. HBCU week in Orlando. Raven success for the whole HBCU week team. Thousands upon thousands of scholarships generated. Millions upon millions of dollars invested. That don't happen without Dave Roberts. Yeah, Stephen A. Smith went... Yeah, I want to be a part of HBCU week after my man Rashawn McDonald brought it to me with the fantastic job that's been done by Ashley Cooper and the Disney on the Yard team in Orlando and all of that other stuff. Don't happen without Dave Roberts. Doesn't happen. You got people out there talking about him. Barack Obama. Oh, he was just the president of the United States. See, we love him now. But when he was in office, oh, he's not doing enough. Before that, when he was campaigning to win office, he had to give a speech on race 
because of his affiliation with the Reverend out in Chicago. And when he didn't say certain things, or he didn't elaborate extensively as much as people wanted him to do, black folks then were talking about, well, what's he supposed to do? He can't say this, he can't say that, because he's trying to get elected. But then when he got elected, you couldn't understand how he had to maneuver his way through that political terrain in order to strive to get things done. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. It never stops. Had a friend who I love dearly and I've known for many, many years. Literally called me to tell me she didn't agree with my take on Jerry Jones. Oh, Stephen, you know why he was there. You know why he was there. So what is a still picture of him just standing there? Why would he be there? So what? He was 14 years old. You know why he was there. Oh, by the way, um, could you get me two tickets to the Cowboys game? I mean, bump that. I mean, shoot, that ain't going to stop me from enjoying the game. So you know why he was there, according to you. You got a problem with him. Racial insensitivity, if not racism, has to be raked all over his persona and his DNA. But, but, but I still want to go see his Cowboys. Really? Really? I don't have a problem with her position. I understand. I'm just saying, though. Could you understand why other people would find that just a tad bit hypocritical? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I got some more for you. I'm not finished. I'm just catching my breath for the moment. I'll be back. More of No Mercy with Stephen A. in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? I'm not gonna insult my community by saying we need to wake up because a lot of us are wide awake. We know racism is still alive and well. We know prejudice exists. We know that we've got to scratch and claw our way. And on far too many occasions, most of us still have to be twice as good to get half as much. We understand. We get that. The point is, is that there is such a phrase that's applicable at all times to all people. And that is knowing when to pick your battles. Understanding that certain things just ain't worth it. Particularly when you can't prove anything. I'm looking at an article on MSNBC the other day. I think the writer was Jahan Jones. Got it right in front of me. Talked about the Washington Post uh, article and publishing a photo of Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones standing with a racist mob when he was a teenager in Arkansas in 1957. It said on the first day of classes at North Little Rock High, a crew cut sophomore named Jarrell Wayne Jones found his spot among a phalanx, a phalanx of white boys who stood at the front entrance and blocked the path of six black students attempting to desegregate the school. Jones told the Post he only showed up that day to observe what was going on. But the Post explained why that seemed implausible. Quote, the photographs indicate Jones had to scurry around the North Little Rock six to reach the top of the stairs before the black students completed their walk up to the schoolhouse door. And while Jones offered a common explanation of the confrontation, that it was the work of older white supremacists, most of those surrounding the six young black men were teenagers. These revelations are offered as evidence of Jones' history with racism. That's what the article says. In an article largely focused on his failure to hire a black head coach throughout his decades-long tenure as the Cowboys owner. Then it mentions me. Others have claimed that invoking Jones' past to bring up his present behavior is immoral. The loudest of that group is Stephen A. Smith, an ESPN commentator who has bragged about the ritzy perks he's received from Jerry Jones. Let's set the record straight. I do television. I was having a good time, just like I love trolling Cowboy fans 
who disgust me, but I mean that affectionately. It's just sports teams, sports lovers hating sports teams and their fan base. That's all it is. It's nothing serious. Secondly, you want to call it a perk? First Take showed up to do a show from the Dallas Cowboys practice facility after it was something the Cowboys and ESPN discussed, and I was riding on Jerry's helicopter to open the show. It was a skit to open the show. There is no perk that I have ever received from Jerry Jones, unless you want to call that one. And that's it. So that's just factual. Now let me get to the bigger picture. Since we want to call him out because he's an owner that hasn't hired a black coach, Atlanta Falcons haven't hired a black coach. The Jacksonville Jaguars haven't hired a black coach. The Los Angeles Rams, prior to that, the St. Louis Rams, they haven't hired a black coach. The New England Patriots and Mr. Robert Kraft haven't hired a black coach. The New Orleans Saints haven't hired a black coach. Neither has the Tennessee Titans, who were once the Houston Oilers. We talking about them? Of course we're not. No, I we're not talking about them. Because Jerry Jones has power and Jerry Jones has impact. And they're America's team, but look at what he's doing. What I'm saying to you, fair enough, believe what you want. What that got to do with somebody else's blackness if they respect, respectfully challenged the use of a photo when he was 14 years old to make the point? That's the issue. The issue is not a healthy debate about what Jerry Jones feels and what Jerry Jones believes. We had that issue with Jerry Jones when the Colin Kaepernick stuff propped up. And he swore that none of his players would ever take a knee. Although he ultimately did it in September of 2017 after Donald Trump, then president, had a rally in Alabama the previous weekend, just a couple of days earlier, because this was Monday Night Football. It was either Monday or Thursday night, I don't remember. September of 2017. President Donald Trump at the time had a rally in Alabama. Brought up the whole Colin Kaepernick situation and God's taking the knee, accusing them of being unpatriotic. Hijacking the narrative to change it for his political uh, expediency. And then said, I'd fire all of those sons of bitches, all of them. That's what he said. And only then at the NFL. Unite in unison, locking arms if you were the Arizona Cardinals, taking a knee if you were Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. Prior to that, he wasn't taking a knee. He got called out for that. I know people who are Cowboy fans that swore they would never root for the Cowboys again because Jerry Jones took that position. Fair enough. He didn't hire a black coach. Fair enough. But you're going to pull a 14-year, you're going to pull a photo of him? From 66 years ago when he was 14 years old, standing in a crowd trying to desegregate a school. And that's reason to say what you're saying. I made the point that I made, ladies and gentlemen, because how many times do I have to tell y'all what my old saying is? When white folks catch a cold, black folks catch pneumonia. It is always worse for us. No matter what, the system assures it. And when you reach that far to denigrate, castrate, and demonize an individual, what do you think is in store for you? That was my point. But I see people talking smack. And they want to challenge and they want to talk about, about me and my blackness. Well, what were you doing? You got an athlete that got problems. Oh, man, he always dogging black athletes. Excuse me. I'm always praising black athletes. They happen to be going against one another, and I'm talking about sports. If one can play, one can't. What the hell you want me to do? Ignore the one that can't play because he ain't black, because he ain't white? I'm talking about competition. If you're competing against one another, there's a winner and there's a loser. And you're talking about the ones who won. And you're talking about the ones who lost. And if they both happen to be black, how come I'm not being recognized for celebrating the excellence and success of the black person that achieved? But I'm hating on a black dude. Somebody shoot two for 20. Oh, man, and the Stephen A. sellout. That's in sports. You have any idea how idiotic you sound? I saw T.O. opening his mouth the other day. 
having something to say about me. Still mad about Jerry Jones, T.O.? It ain't my fault he let you go. Did you promise Michael Irvin and the crew that you would keep your mouth shut and not cause any bad headlines that would force people to assume that you were the divisive force in the locker room and ultimately get yourself cut? Didn't we warn you about that before you arrived in Dallas? Is it our fault you didn't listen? I wish Colin Kaepernick was in the league today. He deserves to be. He was blackballed unfairly, demonized unfairly. It ain't right what happened to him. But weren't you warned about how they would react to you? We want to bring up history. We want to bring up Malcolm X. We want to bring up Dr. Martin Luther King. We want to bring up a whole bunch of folks within a black community that have been leaders and what have you. Don't they plan? Don't they strategize? Don't they organize before they execute? Haven't we learned that with Rosa Parks? Didn't we learn that with various other situations throughout African-American history? Civil rights just came about because we snapped our fingers. Voting Rights Act just came around because we snapped our fingers. It wasn't planned. It wasn't thought out. It wasn't orchestrated. Didn't we exercise some level of intelligence? So when a person points that out, we got a problem with them. Huh, Stephen A., you're on Hannity. So what? I ain't a Republican. I ain't a conservative. I have some conservative views. Show me a black home that does it. See, that's another story we don't talk about. I was raised in a black household. I'm a black man. Don't talk to me about conservatism. My mother never voted for a Republican in her life. I'll be damned if she didn't exercise conservatism in her home. It wasn't a democracy. You didn't have a right. You better do what the hell you told or else. And then she'd point to my father who was eating his pork chops or drinking his Budweiser while watching his West Ends or baseball games. And you knew the cardinal rule. Don't interrupt him. Don't let mama come over and complain about you. It's an automatic ass whipping. There is no negotiation. Why? Because guess why? It wasn't a democracy. All of this stuff that we living in, in this world today with this woke culture. I ain't, I ain't throwing any shade on it. I'm just telling you. In a lot of black homes, it didn't go down like that. This is how it's going to be. You got the right to leave. But if you here, this is how it's going to be. Period. Why are we acting like we don't know? Why are we acting like we don't know? I come from a place where I want to hear everybody. I'm edified by the intelligence and the intellect and the civility of people from our community. Karen Hunter is a friend of mine. She's got our show on SiriusXM. Channel 126, every weekday afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I love her with all my heart. Sometimes we don't agree. Just like we don't agree on this Jerry Jones thing. So what? I don't know what the Black Eagle Joe Madison thinks. I don't have the luxury of listening to him every morning, but I listen to him every chance that I get because he's a historian. A black man, a former NAACP executive, if not president for the local chapter in Detroit many years ago. Sensational human being. Sensational Hall of Fame radio host. Who cares about us? He speaks, I listen. Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. My brother. Mark Lamont Hill. He and I go back a long ways. A plethora of people. In the black community, historians, activists, entrepreneurs. I know the Reverend Jesse Jackson. I know Reverend Al Sharpton. I don't give a damn what people say about them. I know what they've tried to do for us. Don't have to agree with everything. Ain't going to shred my love for them one speck. Because I know what they tried to do for our community. I don't have to agree with everything. But you'll never hear me denigrate them. 
The closest I ever came to that was years ago because of Jesse Jackson going after a bunch of Duke players or whatever and turning something into a civil rights issue. And when we finally met face to face and I confronted him, I told him straight to his face, I love you. I love what you've tried to do for our people. That is not a civil rights issue. Let's focus on civil rights. That was my only argument against him. Be who you are. You want to attack, y'all want to attack everybody. Why don't we listen to one another? I'm not friends with Candace Owens. I've never met her a day in my life. But if you disagree with something she said, tell us what it is and why. Rather than saying she a sellout. That's easy. Why? Let's educate ourselves. Why would you think that? Why? Argue her facts. I'd say the same thing about anybody else. I'd say the same thing about J.C. Watts when he was a representative on Capitol Hill out of Oklahoma. I'd say the same thing about Armstrong Williams. You want to tell me you can't stand Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice of the United States, the one with the longest tenure? You know what? Fine. Guess what I'm saying? I understand why. Because you can point to his policies that you don't like. You can't just sit up there and dislike what somebody says and says, well, you know what? The hell with them. They ain't one of us. Well, why not? I don't know these people other than Armstrong Williams. Don't know J.C. Watts. Don't know the Supreme Court Justice. Don't know Candace Owens. Don't know all of these people. What I'm saying is I don't care who you are. What ethnicity you have. I am going to listen to your facts and see if you're right or wrong to determine how I feel. It's not going to be predicated on what I like or dislike. That's not intelligent. And it's not advantageous for our community. We're not going to get anywhere. As a community, as a society, moving forward, if we keep being led by our emotions. You want to criticize me and what my positions are. I'm good with that. Y'all tell me why. If you're right, I'll say so. I don't know Charlemagne the God. I'm talking about I didn't know him until recently. I like the brother. And he used to criticize me more than anybody. For all I know, he's criticizing my position now. So what? Because what I said to him was, what I care about is you attacking my position, not me. That's what I'm saying. You disagree with me? Why? Educate me. Tell me why. If you're right, I will confess you're right. But I got people in the industry. You know how hard it is for me to listen to people that have worked in this industry for years with the stuff I know about them, listening to them and their dribble, talking nonsense about me. They ain't do a damn thing to help our community. I put my career on the line every day fighting for us. And we're going to go out like that because I don't agree with y'all position on a still photo from 66 years ago. Really? We better wake up, y'all. Because see, people who ain't getting caught up in emotions and being a divisive force within their own community are propelling. We might have some folks from the white community that are scared about the way our society is today and they think that they desperately need to grab and hold on to a time that once was. But the vast majority of folks in the United States of America ain't thinking like that. They're marching forward, living their best life, trying to strive and succeed. The black community is no longer the dominant minority. That would be the Latino community. I wonder why that is. Could it be perhaps that they don't question one another's raw authenticity and ethnicity just because they disagree? No one does it but us. No one. 
And for the record, as it pertains to Jerry Jones, one last time. I had somebody ask me, don't you think it was the responsibility? I'm going to read it here. I'm not going to tell y'all who it was. But they're well known. I do not agree with your defense of Jerry Jones. I know you don't mind, but you think he was there just to watch? How many black coaches has he hired? His equity work is what? I want to be educated. What has he done since to stem the tide of racism and exclusion? I could point to an inordinate amount of black athletes who've played for him, who swear by him. And black coaches may not be head coaches, but black coaches who coach under him. But I won't go there. Instead, I'll ask a somewhat rhetorical but very provocative question to you all. Is that his obligation? He owns a football team. He employs a multitude of people. His job is to make money and to make and the and the and the pay players who play for him and coaches who coach for him and executives who work under him and security who guard him. You know how many folks are employed at AT&T Stadium? You know how many folks are employed by the Dallas Cowboys organization who happen to be minority? What exactly is he supposed to do? I'd like him to hire a black coach. I'd love for him to remove himself as GM and hire a black GM. It's clearly a family affair because him and Stephen Jones and his other children and grandchildren, that's clearly his baby. None of them are black. We get that. I'd like to see all of that. But what's his obligation? The obligation. I have said this to y'all before, and I'm going to say it one last time. I don't expect white folks, Latinos, or anybody else to have the same sensibilities and sensitivities towards issues pertaining to the black community to the degree that we will have those sensitivities and sensibilities. They're not us. It would be nice that we receive all the help we could get. Civil rights legislation wouldn't have been passed if it wasn't from assistance from white folks who joined in the fight. And I get that. And I have an appreciation for that. But I understand it's always our fight. It's not somebody else's obligation to do what we should do for ourselves. That is a fact. That's not me selling out. That's me looking out. I'm going to continue to call it like I see it. I'm going to continue to be fear-minded. And I'm, I'm going to continue to love black people in such a profound way that I express truth, even when it's unpopular, rather than join in the fray with the majority just because it's comfortable. That ain't what's going to uplift us from whatever abyss we appear to be in from time to time. Even the Bible says, truth shall make you free. I'll give you my truth. And if I'm convinced that something else is more truthful, then I will disseminate and express that truth. But it won't, it won't amount to a hill of beans unless we're willing to accept and embrace the fact that we don't just get to be divisive, to call people out, and more importantly, to hand to have our hand out for assistance from the same people we willing to call racist and other things. That's counterproductive. That's not how things get done. If I don't know much else. I damn sure know that. History has taught us that much. If you don't know. Look it up. I'm out. No mercy. Until next time. And remember, as I always tell you, 
I don't have to know sports to know mercy. Remember I said that next time you listen to me. Peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Guess who's got a memoir coming out, ladies and gentlemen? Yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. It's entitled Straight Shooter, and it's available right now for pre-order. I have signed these books, just so you know. So you can visit straightshooterbook.com to order your autographed copy today. In the book, I talk about my life before ESPN, growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, how sports proved to be my salvation. I talk about some of the mistakes I've made in my life and my impact on the world of sports. The book is called Straight Shooter, and it's written to help motivate you to overcome setbacks that maybe prevent you from reaching your dreams. So go right now and order your autographed copy of my memoir, straightshooterbook.com. Don't wait. It's entitled Straight Shooter. Check it out. Don't miss it. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.